No, it can't be number 10. It's 9 or 10. No, it's not. Yeah, it no, is. No, no, no. <laughs> Lotus Garnet, Opal 1, Opal 2. Uh-huh. Ruby. Ruby. Sapphire. Sapphire. Sapphire 2. Emerald. Uh, Tourmaline. It's number 9. Wow. Are you going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah? I shut in when I'm talking. This is Brecken and Jonathan from Gem Junkies, and we're excited to be back after our vacation. Yeah, we uh, went to Jackson, Wyoming. Beautiful Jackson, Wyoming. Probably one of the prettiest places in all of America. Yeah, beautiful place, fun city. Twins had a great time swimming, seeing their first fireworks. Yeah, they cried when we left the hotel. They didn't want to leave. No, I want to stay at the hotel. I wanted to stay at the hotel, too. I didn't want to come back to reality. Yeah. But here we are. Episode number nine, as I've been told, which seems like a lot. Yeah, seems like a lot. Like a lot. And, And episode nine is a special episode. We have a special guest here. Yep, special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself, or should I? I am Zoe. This is my niece, Zoe. Um, She's here for Camp Farney, we call it. She comes about once a week every summer, and she hangs out at the office. Typically, she gets stuck sorting opals, flipping over doublets, that kind of stuff, but but we decided to give her a break and let her sit in on our podcast today. Yep. And today's podcast is on... Tanzanite. 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 So we're going to talk about Tanzanite, which happens to be one of Zoe's favorite gemstones. I know for sure it's one of her mother's favorite gemstones, which is also the ploy of having Zoe on today because her mother is my only sibling that hasn't listened to the show yet. So there you go. Throw her kid on there and see if she listens. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) But anyway, so we're going to talk about Tanzanite, which is a... I would say fairly newly discovered gemstone. Yeah, a newer in the twentieth century. Jonathan, do you know what year it was discovered in? Nineteen sixty-seven. And there's kind of two different reports on who discovered it. One says a Maasai tribesman, which it probably was a Maasai tribesman that happened to be a tailor and a part-time gold gold prospector. prospector. Yeah. So he's out gold prospecting, and he ran into some very beautiful fragments of blue and purple. Crystals. Yeah, they were kind of weathered out of the earth. Yeah. And uh, he took them around to a couple people. Um, there were a few, and they, they were actually all hoping that it was sapphire, that they'd found a new sapphire deposit, but it turned out to not be sapphire, but we'll get to that later. Uh, within just a short time, I would say a month or so, there were 90 claims in this area, 90 mining claims within 20 square miles. Yeah, that's a, so, lot of, a lot of claims in a short period of time. Everybody was jumping on the bandwagon. They wanted whatever it was. Whatever it was, they knew it was beautiful because it was so vibrantly colored. They knew it was transparent and it had really good clarity. Yeah. So any of those, you're off to a great start with a colored gemstone. Right. So eventually it ended up in the hands of John Saul, who was a Nairobi-based consulting geologist and gemstone wholesaler. And he passed it on to his father when he wasn't sure what it was, 
who was Hyman Saul, who was the vice president at Saks Fifth Avenue in New York, who took it to GIA and it got passed all around. To, but it took quite a while for them to figure out what it was. Yeah, it was actually named Tanzanite before it was before the mineral was even known. Right, before they knew it was zoocyte. So it was named Tanzanite by Tiffany and Company. Uh, and they, in 1968, struck a deal to be the main distributor of Tanzanite, which is obviously named for Tanzania, the country that it's found in. And uh, they did a huge push, a huge marketing campaign in 1968. And it created instant demand because, obviously, anything Tiffany does gets right. so between, up. And between 1967 and 1972, an estimated 2 million carats of gem-quality tanzanite was produced. Yeah. Two million carats in five years. Yeah, so what Tiffany has did with it, they, they were really clever in their marketing. They marketed it as, like, an affordable option or an affordable alternative to sapphire. sapphire. Because it, so your finest tanzanite can have the really intense blue purplish blue of your most beautiful sapphire. Right. And and because the way it grows, you get really large crystals, so you can cut it into really large gemstones. When they did discover what the gemstone was. Yeah. What the was mineral zo- species was. was zoocyte. Yeah, and zoocyte was known before the discovery of tanzanite, but it was only known as kind of a green, opaque... Gem. Yes. It was used in ornamental carvings. Yes. Like your parents have the cute little elephant coming out of the leaves. The yep. leaves are green, the elephant's red. Ruby and zoocyte. We'll get a picture of the block. Super cute. A lot of ornamental carvings. Yeah. Now, the zoocyte that was coming out of Tanzania wasn't green. No. What color was it? Brown. Oh, it was brown. Yeah, so it was really interesting. When it was discovered in 1967, it was purple. Right. But when it was mined, it was was brown. And so it needs to be heated in order to get those purple-blue colors. Now, how did this zoocyte that needs to be heated end up purple... It was probably the result of a wildfire in the area, which heated the stones underground, and this gave rise to the idea that the stones were more desirable in that first area because they came out of the ground already heated. Yeah. They were only heated by a fire. They were heated by a wildfire. Yeah. Or, Or it was some form of natural heating, but it was still heated. Right. And so, so when we're talking about heating... We're talking about, so they heat it to 698 to 734 degrees Fahrenheit or 370 to 390 Celsius for 30 minutes. Yeah, it's really low-level heat. Yeah, so it's it's low-level heat. And, and you just assume that everything is heat-treated because 95% of the material that's mined has to be right. heated. Otherwise, it would be brown. Yeah, and, it, and the heating is gemologically undetectable, and so it's just assumed because of its prevalence. Now, there are some colors that do come out, fancy tanzanites. Yes. That are not purple and are not heated. Right. So they have yellows, pinks, greens. Greens. Yeah. So they have a, a chrome tanzanite, which is colored by chromium. And it has that green color. And they say some of them can rival an emerald. 
Yeah, yeah, they can be really bright. They can be really bright, but most of them are brownish green. Yeah, it's so not very pretty. Not so desirable. Yeah. But then there's some that are really pretty that have a primary color of green with secondary colors of purple and blue. Yes. And what do we call those? We call those peacock tanzanites. Yeah, because it's kind of like the colors of a peacock feather. Zoe just got a big smile on her face. Do you like peacock tanzanite? Yeah, they're my favorite kind of tanzanite. They're your favorite? Mm-hmm. Why are they your favorite? Because it, they're kind of like, like Jonathan said, it's like a peacock feather. Uh-huh. I think that's really pretty. It is really pretty. So we have, what was it, November of last year that we bought our first... Peacock tanzanite. Yeah. And so they can't heat the green color out of... Yeah, so the green color doesn't come out, and so it's been kind of a secondary gem of tanzanite that's been kind of cast aside. Yeah, it was kind of... Um, the purple and the violet blue are were so popular that the green component they just saw as... A useless gemstone. Yeah, as a leftover. So, but it's really beautiful when you add the green component to it, and so it's something that we really liked, especially when, as long as the color isn't too gray, isn't too gray or too light. Yeah, is that it has to have really good saturation, and so you don't get very many of them. And it's really only good in stones that are like what two carats and up. Yeah, like when they're under two carats, you don't really get that saturation of color. And you don't really get to see the two different colors as the primary. Right. You need need a larger face on the stone in order to see all those different colors mixed together and change in front of your eye. You don't get that with a little tiny gemstone. No. You. With tanzanite, the larger the stone, the more saturated the color is. Yeah. I mean, that's with regular tanzanite and with peacock tanzanite, the larger the stone is definitely, I think it's more interesting. It is more interesting. And I think we've bought... Since November, maybe 30 gemstones that are over two carats. And up to like 10. 10, Two carats to 10 carats that we would actually call peacock Peacock. tanzanite that are the beautiful green, purpley blue colors. Yeah, and not just kind of gray. And not just gray. Gray. Uh, Gray tanzanite. Gray tanzanite. Hey, we could do a new marketing thing. Yeah, new marketing. Gray tanzanite. Gray tanzanite. Brought to you by Zoe. I think that pretty much covers all the sciencey stuff about tanzanite and suicide. <laughs> so we can probably go back to what happened in 1971. Right. When Tanzania said, hey, we want a bigger cut of what's going on. Right. So you have all the, you know, when, when this first happened, there was a flood of money into buying the gemstones, but the government wasn't getting a huge cut of that. So in 1971, the Tanzanian government decided that they were going to take control of the Tanzanite mines. Right. And in doing so, they cut the supply, supply dwindled, and the prices skyrocketed. So Tanzanite... Has been probably one of the most varied price wise. Yeah, it's been very volatile with prices. They, it's it's basically hop on for a roller coaster ride from like the seventies to two thousands because it's all a supply and demand thing. When the supply is high, price drops really low. When there's no supply, price skyrockets. And by skyrocketing, I mean like 
200% higher than it was even the year before. Yeah, like we bought a parcel of tanzanites, hadn't sold them in a year later, sold them back to our tanzanite supplier for more than we paid for them. It, it's, it was that crazy. Yeah, now, it was crazy. Now the market's stabilized, um, but we'll, as we go through the mining history of it, we'll, you'll kind of see why it stabilizes. So 1971, the government takes over. Basically, too expensive. Consumer interest dies in the gemstone. Nobody wants it because it's too expensive because they could just have a sapphire. Right. And then in the late 1980s, uh, the government lost control of the mines and they were then flooded with thousands of independent miners. Yeah, they were saying in 1989 there was an estimated 30,000 artisanal miners working in the area. Yeah, and so that was really great. And I think it's when I remember learning about Tanzanite was in that era because there was a lot more supply, tons of renewed customer interest, um, but then you lead to the problem of there was no control over the supply, so the market was flooded, and so prices crashed. So prices came way down. And then in the early 90s, the government set up more regulation to kind of control the supply. And that's where they split it up into four blocks, so block A, B, C, and D. But by the late 90s, mining has become extremely difficult. The material is not at surface anymore. They're having to go much deeper, uh, and they're using very unsophisticated tools and unsafe methods for mining. Right. And so uh, I think it's important to talk about, in 1998, there was a huge mining disaster. Yeah, we had torrential, torrential rains, and the mines got flooded, and uh, over a... It led to 100 miners losing their money. Dying, yeah. I think it's important to talk about... Yeah, because that. that changed, that kind of changed how Tanzania, I mean, they kind of set up all the, all these blocks, and then kind of got things organized, and then this happened... And then I think that really changed. Again, they had to make another change on regulations, which there's been a lot of regulation changes since then to make things safer for the miners. Yeah, and I think it was a combination of pushing pushing the limits of of what the miners were actually capable capable of doing with the equipment that they had and the consumer demand for the product, which led to unsafe practices. Yeah. Um, so in 2003, Tanzanite, uh, in 2003, a company called African Gem Resources ended up buying the mines. Because in 1998, mining stopped. After those 100 miners perished, they kind of, they sealed up the mines. Prices began to skyrocket again because supply was so low. And then in 2003, a company called African Gem Resources came in, bought the mines up, and began modernizing them. They mechanized the mining. They implemented safe mining practices, properly supported the shafts, ventilated the shafts. They had pumps to prevent any future flooding. They have an on-site emergency clinic now 
all there based because of the incident that happened in 1998. Right. And so then in 2004, a company by the name of Tanzanite One came in and bought out African Gem Resources. And in 2005, they began sorting it, optically sorting it. So kind of like we were talking about with emeralds where they kind of shoot off the bad colors, they use a scanner and they optically sort it by computers and they began grading the material as well. There's still a big demand for tanzanite. Yeah, yeah, tanzanite's still selling for sure, especially uh, a little bit less in the U.S., but a little bit more in the Caribbean mm -hmm. and a lot on cruise ships and a lot of it's become a very much a touristy kind of I think it's an, I think we should also talk about that Tanzanite kind of has two different categories. You've got a commercial category, which is your purple gemstones, and then you have a more uh, gemmy category, your higher end category, which is your violety blue gemstones. Right, which is only like one or two percent of all the Tanzanite that comes out of the ground. Right. Yeah. And so you're, you see a lot of your purpley materials shown, shown and sold on the TV networks and on cruise ships and in the Caribbean and kind of a, a lower-end commercially produced product. Uh, it's interesting to note, too, that the Tanzanite market fluctuates depending on the sapphire market. Yeah. So with all the new finds of sapphire in Madagascar, Mozambique, when you get a new sapphire find, the Tanzanite market goes down because there's now sapphire on the market that's available at a, at a lower price. Right. So, so the, more, the more available and the more reasonably priced sapphire is, the worse Tanzanite does, the more expensive sapphire gets, and the less availability, the better Tanzanite does. Yeah, because it is a, it is a blue stone that's a sapphire alternative, but at the end of the day, sapphire is a more durable gemstone than Tanzanite. Right. So, so the location of... Tanzanite and where it was found is kind of right at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro. And so Tanzanite was formed 585 million years ago that was created by a massive tectonic plate activity Ooh. and intense heat that the later and that area later became Mount Kilimanjaro, which is in the northern part of Tanzania. So the creation of Mount Kilimanjaro created Tanzanite. Tanzanite. And it's the only place on Earth that you find Tanzanite which is one of the very cool things, and that's why... It's so rare, and that's why I think the price fluctuates so much, because there's no other source but that one. Right, it's not like one place can take over for the other. It's yeah. Like, this is it. And it's it's found in an area called the Marilani Hills. Yes. Which is also where our mint garnet comes from. Right, and so you, it's actually the same mines, and that's one of like the tracers. So like when they start finding mint garnet, they know that tanzanite's coming. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's it's, it's definitely interesting how these different gemstones form in the same areas. Well, so it's vanadium that colors mint garnet, and right. it's also vanadium that causes the color change in tanzanite. Yeah. So the vanadium was... The vanadium was there. Yeah. It's very interesting. There is no synthetic tanzanite, right? Yeah. Nothing, no. No, synth no synthetic tanzanite has been created. Um, so what we would call imitation tanzanite, which is used in place of tanzanite, are other synthetic gemstones like synthetic phosphorite, which has the same pleochroic... 
of nature, nature yeah. as tanzanite. Um, but actually, its chemistry is closer to peridot. Did you know that? I didn't. I did. I mean, I just... No, I didn't. I learned it today. <laughs> uh, there's also a synthetic corundum, which you'll know is a sapphire synthetic corundum called coronite. And there is tanavite, which is a YAG synthetic. It's a yttrium aluminum garnet. Okay. Yeah, so all yeah. synthetic gemstones meant to imitate tanzanite, and they came on the market in the 90s. When um, it got really expensive. When it got really expensive. Yeah. Well, I have, you know. Really, you don't no. even see the synthetics around since the naturals have kind of stabilized mm-hmm. and are available and reasonably priced. In, in varied price ranges. Yeah. So that wraps up tanzanite for us. Thanks for listening to another episode of Gem Junkies. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this journey. And uh, Zoe, thank you so much for sitting in and giving your little two cents. Do you want to give a shout out to anybody? Say hi to your mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> now we'll really get her to listen. stop <laughs> <laughs> Any friends in the fifth grade you got to give a shout out to? We're going to become the most popular podcast at Sky... What is it? Skyline Elementary? Yep. Shadow Valley. Oh, Shadow Valley. Excuse me. I'm giving a shout out to Shadow Valley Elementary. All right. Shadow Valley Elementary School. Where where are you at? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What? Huh? That was good. Yeah? Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, as always, you can find our podcast on iTunes, now Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the good places. I think we're pretty much everywhere. Yeah. And if you want to know what we're doing in our real life, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Parlay Gems. And we also started a new Gem Junkies group on our Parlay Gems Facebook page. So go ahead and like our group for updates and more information and extra pictures. Sounds good. Hey, thank you for watching. Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>